Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Today, Melissa and I are really excited because we have a super special guest. We have Rachel Stack. She is the Chief Academic Officer for the Humanities team at Great Minds. She brings so much joy and enthusiasm and wit and wisdom to every single project that she works on at Great Minds and her hand touches everything there. So she's going to talk about a really special project that is happening currently at Great Minds. Um, Melissa, I know you're here with me too. Welcome. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have Rachel today. First, because she's like a super fan of our podcast from the beginning. Oh. <laughs> so that's exciting. But yeah, the topic she'll talk about today is just so timely with where we are um, and trying to have students learn at home. So I'm really excited to hear about what you guys are doing at Great Minds. Yeah, Rachel, welcome. So we know that you started out as a teacher, like, I mean, I think almost every guest on our podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Will you tell us a little bit about you and um, how you started and what you currently do? We are so excited that you're here. Thanks, Melissa and Lori. I'm so excited too, because as you said, I'm a super fan. I've been listening from the beginning. I think I've listened to every podcast and I love your questions. I love your topics. I'm always really interested in hearing your guests. So I'm very honored to join the, the ranks of other guests at Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Yeah. Um, and yes, I started as a teacher um, right out of undergrad. Um, I taught in New York City and then for a few years in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then I spent a few years at Scholastic Education, um, which I loved before coming to Great Minds. But Great Minds is really the perfect home for me because I always say it combines my love of being a classroom teacher with my love of beautiful books and rich content, which I learned a lot about when I was working at Scholastic. And, and I learned a lot about publishing and I had incredible mentors there. So coming to Great Minds, I was able to really bring both of those things into my day-to-day -day life, which is, you know, what does it mean to be a great teacher and what is the great, rich content out there that teachers need? And so at Great Minds, I feel like we, we bring those two things together. And I've been really lucky to have the experience um, that allows me to do that every day at Great Minds. Yeah. Well, we're so thrilled that you're here. Um, you, you've been on our list for quite some time to ask, and it just seems like the perfect time to ask you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are really at a moment, um, as you said, yeah. Laurie, and that, that sweet and lovely introduction. Thank you. Um, we're at a moment of really asking ourselves, you know, what does distance learning look like? And I think that looks like a lot of things for a lot of different teachers and a lot of different families. You know, schools are, I think, beginning to think about themselves as like maybe in the future, they're learning centers where students are checking in. You know, right now, we're not sure what happens face to face or Zoom to Zoom or even what platforms are the right ones to use. Um, I think educators are really worried about how do we check in, right? And how do we continue to build knowledge? And are we following a coherent curriculum in this kind of fractured space? Mm -hmm. They're thinking about all of their populations, right? What does this space mean for English learners and students with special needs? So when we found ourselves in that moment all together in mid-March, you know, great minds um, were a team of teachers 
And so we decided, okay, we have to adapt as teachers do, right? That's what, that's what teachers do. And whatever happens in the classroom, whatever happens in the community, teachers think on their feet. Um, and so we decided it was really important for us to think about how our incredibly rich content needed to be adapted um, and put out there as a tool for teachers who are thinking about all these different environments, all these different needs. So yeah, that was kind of our first thing. Like how do we adapt? Um, And what can we do to put that forward um, so that teachers have tools? And I have to just say, you know, from sitting here like in Baltimore city, watching, you know, decisions being made about what's going to happen. I was just, so impressed at how quickly this knowledge on the go came out as a support for our school. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't even think I expected it. Not not to <laughs> underestimate you guys, but, you know, just like within, uh, I, I don't know how long it was actually, Rachel, but like a week or so, yeah. that you guys yeah. actually had content up and ready for our students was pretty amazing. Yeah, it really did take about a week for us to think, you know, first, okay, what are we going to do, right? What is knowledge on the go? And so we started with the idea that we knew we needed to provide resources for Eureka Math, right, which is one of the most widely math, widely used math curricula in the country, uh, for Wit and Wisdom, uh, which is widely used in Baltimore and, and across the country, and for PhD science, our, our science curriculum, and finally for geodes, our readable texts for our K one and two students. So first in that week, we said, okay, you know, what is this? What is this going to be? And we thought about the fact that the virtual space was not the classroom. So we couldn't just like get mm-hmm. on a screen and, you know, do the lesson. The lessons, <laughs> right? So we, we, we spent some time thinking through that. We also had to think really carefully about how English language arts translates into a virtual space because mm-hmm. I mean you both know really well the, everyone knows the heart of an ELA classroom is the text and the conversation and the writing yeah. that happens around that and so knowledge on the go we knew very quickly would be um, you know an adaptation of our content it needed to be the kind of experience where um, students were able to think and engage but obviously the teacher isn't directly engaging with them and we had to think about um, the fact that what we were putting out there into the world had to be um, focused on the texts and kids may not have the texts. So we sort of, we sort of unpacked those big three challenges in our, in our moment of like, how do we adapt? Um, (laughs) And I think we were able to move so quickly, Melissa, because we spent a couple of days like outlining answers to those questions. (laughs) And then we thought a lot about the fact that we know a lot about the virtual space because Great Minds is a is a really diffuse organization. We work with teachers um, all across the United States. So we have some brick and mortar offices. We have a headquarters in DC, but most of us work on the screen all day, right? Most of us work on Zooms with teachers, with each other, um, with our full-time staff, with our part-time staff, with consultants, with experts, with researchers. We're always in this space. And so just as adult humans working together, we had thought a lot in the course of building out our culture about how people work together remotely. And so we realized like, oh, we could leverage some of what we know about this. We're really good at working remotely. We think about it all the time. You know, we've built a very clear culture around it. So I think that helped our speed also, Melissa. And then the last thing I think that made us really agile is we have this really powerful philosophy around project management on our team at Great Minds. 
our project managers, you know, they do what all good project managers do. People with like project management certifications around like planning out an effective schedule and a good workflow. But we have these project managers who deeply, deeply understand our projects and our content and our people. And they never see anything impossible. <laughs> they don't see any barriers. They figure out how do we solve this challenge? Um, part of that, as I said, with adaptation is that they're educators um, and they're just extraordinary planners um, and extraordinary problem solvers. So I think the reason we were able to be so fast to answer your question is those three things. We're like, okay, we're teachers we have to adapt. We're teachers who do this virtually all the time. What do we know about that? And we have a system for how we think about tackling big problems like this. You know, the, the country is closed. <laughs> how do we get something out quickly? Because kids still need to keep learning. They need to connect. The teachers need tools to keep um, making those connections and reaching those kids. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And also, I want to reinforce that um, Natalie Wexler had an article in Forbes, um, trying to see the title of it, Seven Tips to Help Make Remote Learning More Effective. And it came out April 8th. Um, Obviously, we're all past that now. But she said, focus on content, not skills, Mm -hmm. you know, not comprehensive skills. And so I think that, you know, just from being engaged in knowledge on the go, that's really what has, has made Knowledge on the Go special and different. Um, and I, I know that uh, Jared Miracle had posted something on Twitter. And Rachel, I think it stood out to you. Do you want to share a little bit about that and make that connection? Because I think it fits just so supremely with Natalie's point in her article. Um, and we quote Natalie all the time. We just, we're super fans of her. So yeah, um, yeah, likewise. She really has such a- incredible... Um, incredibly researched stuff that she puts out there in a very accessible way. And so I thought these right. tips were really timely um, and also just, just really meaningful to what, to the knowledge on the go project and that one in particular. So you want yeah. to talk about that? I'd love to. Yeah. Cause Jared Miracle's uh, post really, really struck me. Um, there's so much great work on curriculum matters. That group just has fantastic research-based um, and very practical, you know, topics that they, that they, write about. And so um, I follow them often. And uh, Jared Miracle's post, he talks about how in this time, you know, knowledge rich curriculum or knowledge building curriculum, like Wooden Wisdom, uh, I think he said it travels well, mm-hmm. which, which to your point, it, I, I think it travels well for a couple of reasons. Like Natalie said, there's a couple of things that are really important when you're doing virtual learning. One is text, right? You have to have like a, an anchor in the content. And, you know, even if the, if the kid has a text in front of her, thank goodness, because that's the best situation. But if not, our virtual teachers have thought really carefully on how do we keep the focus on the art or the novel or the nonfiction text, you know, through read aloud, um, you know, through good, you know, fair use recognition of our publishers, but through showing illustrations. So I think it travels well, as Jared Miracle said, because one and as Natalie said, there's really rich text that like everyone can go to. It's, it levels the playing field. Two, we had to decide like how to keep it simple. As Natalie said, like we're not doing our full coherent learning design. So what are some of the key things that we know we want our, our virtual learners to take away from experiencing a knowledge on the go lesson? And a lot of that comes from these practices, right, that we help our, our learners do to get to knowledge. So Jerry Merrick was talking about, you know, not drilling isolated skills-based instruction because 
A, who's going to tune into knowledge on the go to hear about like finding the main <laughs> idea. Nobody becomes a teacher to find the main idea. No one goes to school to find yeah, the main okay. idea. <laughs> but when you're fascinated by a topic or you're fascinated by a text, you find the main idea. And in fact, you're going to do better at finding the main idea because you do things and you can bootstrap your main idea, as Marilyn Adams says, on all the vocabulary and knowledge that you build. So we, we were following Natalie's point about like, you've got to decide, you know, what is the, what is the big deal here? And our virtual teachers decided, you know, using our content and craft stages and our core practices. And those are, those are practices that the students engage in all the time, you know, every day with every text. And they're just, they're ways of questioning, they're like an inquiry framework that builds to knowledge. So they start with notice and wondering, noticing and wondering, then they organize, which is basically what's happening in this text. Then they reveal, they do a deeper look at something. Um, then they distill, which is like, what's the big picture, right? What's the essential meaning? And then the last question they really ask themselves or, or sets of questions is, how does this contribute to my knowledge of this particular topic or my knowledge of the world? So Wit and Wisdom has these practices embedded in what kids do every day. So if kids are logging in to Knowledge on the Go, that's a familiar practice. Like if they know Wit and Wisdom, if they're not, if they've never seen Wit and Wisdom before, but their teachers are using these free tools because they're free to everybody, um, they have these practices that now they can start to apply to the text. Um, I think a third thing we thought about, which we always think about at Great Minds, is coherence. And Natalie gets at this a little bit too, and I think this is part of the traveling well, is that anything you do in an instructional space, and you guys know this because you're excellent teachers, there has to be a coherent build, right? It's, there's no room for just random bits of teaching, right? It has to have a plan and it has to be mapped. And so we thought about like from the beginning to the end, right? What's going to happen when a kid goes through module four virtually? What are really the big anchors? And, and again, we went back to our content and craft practices that are in our curriculum. And then lastly, like this gets to traveling well also is, you know, the audience, sort of the purpose, the intentionality of the fact that if you're a kid logged on to Knowledge on the Go, it's not your teacher in front of you, unless you're lucky enough to be in like Kierbot's classroom in Baltimore or, you know, we have teachers, <laughs> teachers all over the it might be your teacher, right? So <laughs> then, like, you may be watching your teacher because as I said before, we're a team of, of teachers and so many of the virtual teachers who are doing Knowledge on the Go are, are teachers across the country, right? Who just implement the curriculum and now they're doing it for everybody, not just their kids. Yeah. Um, but you're not engaging, right? You're not in that kind of like brick and mortar human teacher experience. So we had to really think about like, what's our intention? How can we make it, how can we make a connection? Um, and, you know, I told our virtual teachers very early on, like do what you would do in your classroom, like be goofy, be funny, be smart. Like, you know, you're all great teachers. Like you're just, you're in a virtual space and I know it's not the same thing, but you know, there are all of these moments when you watch the lessons where you can just tell like that person is a teacher and that person is making a connection with this, you know, kid out there who she's never met, just in her language, in her love for the topic, in her love for the content. Um, and I think that comes through really in all the subjects. I see it so much in the Eureka lessons because those folks love math. And you can, <laughs> you, can, you can just feel it, you know, when you're watching the lesson. So yeah, I think it travels well to Jared's point because it applies some of those things Natalie was talking about in terms of like the focus on the text the simplicity of what we're trying to accomplish, the coherence, and then just the intentionality of, of the audience that is not directly in front of you, but is directly in front of you. Yeah. Can I ask you guys, um, 
You know, one of the great things about, you said this kind of already about ELA in general, and especially Wit and Wisdom, is that like having discussions with other people about a text and yeah. engaging with your teacher and, um, you know, how, how do you do, and, and writing about the text too. So, so is that, how is that happening in a knowledge on the go situation? It's, I know it's like impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nothing is impossible. Well, not impossible. Very <laughs> difficult. You have to meet. You have to meet our project managers. They'll they'll quickly you know they'll quickly disavow that mission. So, no, that's a great question, Melissa. I mean, it's I think it's happening in two ways. The, you know, the the virtual teachers they they pause for uh, for two things. They pause for sort of like they'll they'll pose that content question, that content framing question, whether it's notice wonder or organize or reveal or, you know, distill or no. And then, you know, and then they'll, and, and then, you know, it's kind of, they don't want to do that Dora Explorer thing where it's like, yes, you're right. But they follow the question then with, with um, possible answers that are all mm. really knowledge rich. So even though they can't build as good listeners do on what the speaker said, they build on the knowledge. Right. So they just sort of like put it out there in that kind of modeled way. Mm-hmm. The other thing that they do in those spaces is something we've been calling um, like knowledge nuggets for, for lack of a better word. It, they, they really take the kinds of things that they know kids are going to hook into. Um, and they do a little bit of like, I've been calling it like sage on the stage or fireside chat approach, which, you know, is in this space, like, again, without that collaboration, Melissa, we're trying to get these moments where I can really talk about, you know, who is Napoleon or, Where's the Southern Hemisphere? Or what is blubber? Or, you know, these kinds of things. I'm thinking about Shackleton. It's one of our... I think, I think Lori's I daughter had a couple nuggets exactly. that she came out with. Oh, you tell us about this, Lori. <laughs> she, she, she found some nuggets in her experience with the lessons. Yeah, Presley's doing the, the full grade two suite. Um, right. Loves uh, Mr. Waldorf, if you're listening, for Eureka Math. She loves you. <laughs> she loves Miss Clemens for Wit and Wisdom. And she loves uh, Miss Lorraine. We say Miss Lorraine because it's hard for her mm-hmm. to uh, say Miss Lorraine's last name for geodes. And mm-hmm. she, she's doing the full suite. And I ha- have to say, um, the funniest moment so far was when she came in to wake me up at like 6.30 one morning. And she leaned over the bed and she said, so what's the difference between your rectum and your anus? <laughs> and I just like she has done her geodes work. She's doing. She's doing uh, grade two, uh, focused on good nutrition, good eating, good, good eating, eating. Yeah. <laughs> working on you know the different body systems and talking about digestion. And um, it has just been um, like Jared is correct. It does travel well. It travels exceptionally well. And I mean, even t- today, she was rolling around on the sofa, laughing hysterically, reading the uh, the new geodes. Can you? Did you know that cows have four stomachs? Can you imagine having four stomachs? About <laughs> each one, and that's the stuff that that kids love. Not you know the worksheet that says, "Can you find mm-hmm. an idea of that's this right. article?" You know that's the stuff that they bring with them and that, that they remember. And, you know, when it's just really, really special, those knowledge nuggets that you're referring to. I love that, by the way. <laughs> um, that's what I think what really draws that, that piece that draws kids in. And okay. so regardless of the fact that they don't have, you know, potentially someone to talk to or right. 
um, that, that conversation, they still have opportunities to build knowledge and then also export it via writing opportunities or even interaction. Like I've seen her, um, it, you know, somebody will say, the teacher will say, say it out loud and she'll, she'll be saying it or they'll say, say it really low or whisper it to me or give me a right. thumbs up or stand up. And I mean, she's, she does it all. So yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a little different in middle school. That's, they're not um, probably whispering to the screen, but. <laughs> but they are engaging. And, and, you know, I love it that Press is able to do knowledge on the go on her iPad or her laptop. But, but we also, we have to talk about access, right? Because yeah. equity of course is a huge issue right now. Um, the achievement gap is only going to get wider, right? Because we are, we have kids that don't have that safety network of school and, you know, they don't have that person in their teacher who is often a hugely consistent force in their life. Um, And so we are, we also have thought really intentionally about um, how our knowledge on the go content can be distributed in what we're calling our TV classrooms Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been working with PBS affiliates um, and with local um, access stations. So mm-hmm. Melissa, I don't know if you've seen it in Baltimore, but the, <laughs> the, the city schools, um, you know, public access station is broadcasting. Um, and then we have all these different affiliates all over the country who are, um, you know, tapping into the content. We basically, you know, deliver it and they broadcast it if it you know fits into their programming. So Public access stations in Baltimore City and Montgomery County, uh, Shelby County, D.C., Cincinnati, they're broadcasting. Um, and so what that means for, for access is those kinds of experiences that Presley's having. We, we want kids who don't have a device and don't have an Internet connection to also be able to tap into. Um, it's, you know, not every kid has a TV, right? I mean, we have huge, you know, we just have huge issues all over the place. But we figured that with PBS and the public access partnerships, um, we were at least, you know, cutting a little bit in to that access problem by removing the need for a device or an internet connection. Also, you know, there's a lot of situations we know of where, you know, maybe there's, there's a phone and there's three kids. And so, or there's a computer and there's three kids and mom needs the computer for work also. So, you know, just the idea of at least putting them out there on PBS um, so that, all kids can have the kinds of experiences that Presley's having if they don't have an iPad or a connectivity or a laptop or a Chromebook. Yeah. And I, I haven't tuned in yet to the <laughs> public access, but I've, I've seen the schedule and even that just saw like there were several times that the second grade one was showing, you know, it just, mm. I was like, that's really awesome. That it's not just a, Oh, one time and you missed it, but yep. you know, you actually get a lot of, um, a lot of chances to, to see it. So yeah, and we've amazing. heard. Yeah, some of our partners. I I, I appreciate your point about the schedule because some of the, our partners have told us things like, you know, I've got a second grader and a fourth grader, and the fourth grader will watch with the second grader, and you know, help, and then the second grader will like watch with the fourth grader and be like, what's <laughs> you know, what's the American Revolution? Or that's module three, but um, you know, what's going on in your in your lesson? Um, so there's a schedule, and then there's also this kind of you know multi-grade view that people can get if they are able to watch, you know, multiple episodes on PBS or watch multiple, you know, knowledge on the go lessons. Um, if they do have connectivity and they can engage in virtual learning. So it sounds like a lot of people are actually using this. Do you have statistics for how many places and people are logging in and seeing these? 
We do. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, the need is there. Right. And again, Mm -hmm. back to like, we knew that people really needed this. And so I just, um, I looked at our average watches per day today, and it, they're pretty impressive numbers. Um, we have about 92,000 Eureka Math watches. And that um, is, Rachel, is that just for overall or this week mm-hmm. or this day or what? Um, yeah, this is the, I think this is average okay. per day. Mm-hmm. Average per day, okay. Perfect. And Wit and Wisdom's in like the 70,000s, Geode's 14,000. So, you know, several thousand people are are logging on and they're, you know, using them, I think, in a bunch of different ways. We're also, we're also global, which was kind of exciting mm-hmm. to me that, um, you know, most of our, our sessions are in the U.S., um, but we have a couple thousand sessions um, in Mexico and Canada and South Africa, nice. um, a couple hundred in India and Australia and South Korea and the UK. So we were excited to see that, you know, not only um, are our most trusted partners who, you know, we know are implementing wooden wisdom like Baltimore, Cincinnati, also like they're out there as knowledge rich resources across the globe, which is pretty exciting. I think that the response, I mean, just the access that Great Minds has provided has been astounding when you consider, you know, the knowledge on the go um, in terms of, you know, access through the internet or through PBS. Um, But I know that it's more than just um, knowledge on the go because I saw vocabulary on the go pop up. Can you talk a little bit about not just access in terms of like, you know, internet access or TV access? Can you talk about access for all students and how vocabulary on the go also meets the needs of all learners is supporting that. Yeah. Yeah. Lori, thank you for asking that because when we talk about access, you know, at the top of our conversation, we were also talking about how districts are thinking, they think all the time, right. About their English learners. They think about their special needs learners. They think about kids reading below grade level. And they think about that when they have them right in front of them, (laughs) right. Physically (laughs) and are connecting every day. So the thinking about them in this distant space is just, it's a whole nother layer um, and we hear a lot like, oh, wooden wisdom is really hard. You know, it's too hard for our English learners and it's too hard for our struggling readers. So we think about this a lot because, you know, our learning design is really intentional to support all learners. So what we did with vocabulary on the go, which is a component of every knowledge on the go lesson, is we we reached out, well, really was the vision of, of Sarah Webb, who I mentioned earlier, is a, is, is a real teacher. <laughs> We're all <laughs> teachers, but she's a, a teacher in... Um, Bad River, Ohio. And it, she uh, has, you know, a huge English learner population. She's been teaching Whitney Wisdom for several years to her ELs. And so when we talked about what can we do, right, what can we do to support our English learners, we went to what we know is really true. And that is language development is super critical for everybody. Um, so what happens before every Knowledge on the Go lesson is there's a 10-minute preview of three to five really highly portable words so these are words that are really important for the topic, right, of the content. They're content area words and they're academic words, right? So words that have a lot of portability in the academic setting, things like analyze and annotate and portray. Um, so our EL teachers, Sarah Webb and, and some others, um, Heidi Foley is a, is a Baltimore teacher. Hey, they, Baltimore. <laughs> they, um, they think about these words, right? They connect then with the, the other virtual teacher right, who's doing the full lesson, And then they do a preview of those words in English and Spanish with images and context, right? So they say, okay, here's the word, here's the meaning, here it is in English, here it is in Spanish. Um, 
We have an extraordinary uh, advisor who's doing some quick vocal coaching with them, you know, language coaching, accent coaching, um, because none of none of our teachers, I think, right now are, are native speakers. They're all studiers of the, the Spanish language. So we have a native speaker working with them. And so basically what vocabulary on the go does is it, it's another way for us to actualize a really core belief of our learning design, which is that if you spend time really previewing and thinking thoughtfully about the language before the lesson, as well as during the lesson, then you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck for both those who are developing the language and, and for all of us right, who, are, who have to think about the importance of the vocabulary and the relationship of that language to the topic, to the building of the knowledge. So vocabulary on the go has been our, um, you know, our response to one aspect of how we can support English learners, how we can support deeper language development, um, and how we can translate what we know about really great instruction into that virtual space. The previewing those words, you know, thinking about their portability, working through the morphology and the word families, um, thinking about the image. Um, all of that is what happens in a wooden wisdom classroom. So vocabulary on the go is just like a 10 minute distillation of that before the learner engages in the full lesson. We didn't talk about this beforehand, Rachel. So I'm just throwing this out there to you, but you have me thinking. Hey, nothing's here. impossible. Nothing's impossible. <laughs> nothing's impossible. Um, I mean, that sounds super helpful, whether it's school is what we normally do or this. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, are the wheels turning at Great Minds about, like, what are we learning from this that we can continue in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that because, yes, I think another really big part of our culture, and this will not surprise you since I said we're a team of teachers, is we are always learning and we're always really um, wanting to be in like continual improvement and continual learning. And so we, um, we're doing a couple of things. We're asking ourselves like, yeah, what does this teach us about what we need, what we want to make next for supporting teachers? What does it teach us about how we continue to do our implementation success and our coaching, you know, with our teachers? Um, and, and how good are we at it right now? And how do we make it better next time around? So the wheels are really turning in like what we might build right later, how we will continue to support later. Um, and also like Sarah Webb was saying to me like, gosh, my, you know, today's knowledge on the go is so much better than like three days ago, right? Because, you know, we... <laughs> We are adapting, right? We, yeah. like everybody else, are taking that great, that great practice, right, that happens in wit and wisdom classrooms when you're all together in a room and translating it to, um, to the virtual space. And yeah, thanks, Melissa. We're thinking a lot about, like, how do we do this well now? How do we, what, what does it tell us about what we want to do later in building out more supports for our teachers and our learners? Yeah. Are you getting any feedback from districts about what they're loving or any that are doing it really successfully that you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We want to highlight this. We want to definitely tap into this in the future or anything that you want to share from what you've heard from the partners? I do. I do. Yeah. Thank you for that question. I think one of the most exciting things that we've heard, um, and th th this is just like, I'll tell you one quick story from North Carolina is, um, students responding to the virtual teacher. So like, you know, reaching out through, you know, a, a parent or, or their, their teacher from their actual school and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, you know, watching Miss Tanisha. It's like what you were saying about Presley falling in love with um, her Eureka teacher and with Miss Lorraine. That, and, and so we got recently a text from a colleague in North Carolina that was um, 
it was, you know, a, a written response that a, a student had done because as I said before that, you know, the, there are the, the stop and dots and some of the writing that virtual teachers pause so that students can create that. So you've actually received some like artifacts, right? This particular one was from North Carolina. And they wanted to know if our colleague was Tanisha's friend because she had made such a connection to Tanisha Spears, who's one of our virtual teachers. So the, the colleague had texted this image and said, like, basically, like, do you know her? I really like her. Like, I, like, I want to know if you're friends. And it was such a beautiful, like, human, you know, moment. So you know that a lot of students are actually, you know, they're doing the work, right, which is a, it's a pretty dicey thing in a virtual learning space. And my husband is a high school teacher, and, you know, he's working on his virtual learning. Like, are they doing it? You know, like, and he's got, he's amazing. He's got great systems. But, you know, he, he worries about it because, you know, you're worrying about your kids' progress and their lives and their engagement, like when they're right in front of you. Um, right. <laughs> but when they're not, it's a whole other story. So we know we've seen some artifacts. That's been one of the coolest things is people have reached out and said, look at what my child did or, you know, look at what the student did while sitting in your virtual lesson. So we've loved that. Um, we also loved the way that, and of course, of course, I'm now going to talk about Baltimore, that, um, leadership in Baltimore, you know, they were really one of the first uh, partners who reached out and said, we want to put this on public access, has really thought about the issue of access and the issue of um, mm-hmm. making these available as widely as possible and, and with some corresponding supports, right? Like our student editions or the texts themselves. So we are also seeing a lot of um, movements and efforts for districts and leaders to actually get the texts in hand um, you know, some implementations have arranged for things like kids will go for a food pickup and they'll get the text or they'll mm-hmm. get a student edition or they sent them home on March 13th when everything shut down or, you know, so, so the other thing that we've really appreciated is seeing partners that have really thought about like, it's going to look really different for, for so many kids. That's part of the problem, right? That's part of the equity issue. So, you know, how can we think about making sure that kids have things in hand or on TV or that, you know, they can keep a level of engagement moving. Yeah. I have to tell you a super quick little story. (laughs) This is, it's really little, but uh, on my like Facebook group for my neighborhood, there was a a parent who said that she ordered the, I think it was the Alvin Ailey book. Uh I don't know which grade level that is, but she ordered it and she got an extra one. She got an extra one and put it out to the neighborhood of like, hey, does anyone need this for their student? And I was just like so touched by it. (laughs) That is great. Yeah, because the books, you know, the books are so rich. You know, one of the things that we we know is, you know, powerful back to the sort of like, how do you keep it simple is just engaging with these texts for now has Mm -hmm. some power. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not as powerful as if they're engaging with a great teacher and if they're in a you know coherent knowledge building curriculum mm-hmm. from you know the beginning of the year to the end of the year. But just knowing that they have a beautiful text to engage with, again, that could be in front of them if they're lucky they have it in hand, or it could be through this virtual teacher reading it aloud and then stopping for some of those knowledge nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, stopping to talk about some of those specific things and asking a question and then modeling some answers and then asking them to jot down, you know, a response to a prompt. That it's a, you know, it's a very, um, it's not a classroom like we know it, but it's still, we're hoping we'll have some power um, for kids' knowledge, for their engagement, for their, for their passions. You know, maybe there's someone who, you know, now really loves Alvin Ailey and wants to study Alvin Ailey's life and artistry and, 
what it means to be an artist and a choreographer and how do artists make art? That's the module that mm-hmm. comes from. It's a, it's a grade three module about um, how and why artists make art. So, yeah, I think, so just to summarize, I think, you know, from Baltimore to North Carolina, you know, all the way across the country, we're seeing, we're seeing kids connect like Presley with, with her teachers. And we love that. And then we're seeing districts think about like, we know that this is not an equitable experience for all, but how can we, you know, how can we create supports for our families and our teachers and our kids so that there is um, an engagement that, that does have power and um, even though there's some variation to it. Yeah. I want to call out too that the great minds did a little bit of support there for that equity piece because every text is read aloud. Mm-hmm. And That's that right. That is, is something really important to name, you know, right now, um, during this podcast, right. because if, if students don't have access in that part where you mentioned that you spent a couple days doing a lot of planning, that is, a, I mean, that's a huge hurdle. I feel like other organizations would have said they don't have the text. This is impossible. We can't mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. But you met, went forward and kept, kept on, you know, brainstorming a way to provide access. Mm-hmm. And the fact that every single book is read aloud to students provides access. So I, I think that that's a huge piece of it too. And also really exciting and, and that teacher interaction. Yeah. And they're such great teachers. Like I was thinking earlier, the math teachers are so engaging to watch the science. Oh my gosh. I love watching our science teachers. They, they're <laughs> so into it. And when you watch our virtual teachers read aloud, I mean, you know, a great read aloud is a great thing. And, yeah. you know, when you're in a classroom and you're a part of a great read aloud, whether you're in sixth grade or second grade, you know, a teacher who's like fascinated by the topic and like is a great reader is a powerful thing. So yeah, we made the decision very early on that not all kids are going to have the text in front of them. And so how can we create really beautiful read alouds? And obviously in middle school, there, you know, there are sort of chunks that then accumulate. And then the lower grades, they're, you know, they're full books. And with geodes, um, you know, the read aloud geodes are readable texts for K1 and 2 that are aligned to foundations, phonics, scope, and sequence. So they're really intended for independent reading. Um, you know, so that students can practice their sound spelling patterns with connected text. But our read alouds of our geos are such a powerful support. Um, I know Presley was was loving <laughs> the good the good eating <laughs> <laughs> module four for grade two. Yeah. Um, it's a powerful support. You know, again, back to sort of access that, and and kids are going to have real gaps, especially in their phonics learning. You know, people are talking a lot about what do we do about interrupted learning? And obviously foundational skills are going to be one of the most important places for K2 teachers to work out, you know, using dibbles or whatever quality assessment they use. Like, where are their gaps in K1 and 2? How do we address them? Which is what K1 and 2 teachers do all the time with phonics (laughs) learning. But happily, they can put geodes in wherever their kid is, like where, you know, wherever the learning was interrupted, there's a, there's a, a geode there. Um, and Did there's I see a that Lorraine that, reading it aloud. Can you <laughs> access the geodes, actually the actual text too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I saw that. Yeah. So we have geodes on the go as well. So when you think about our knowledge on the go universe, um, as I said, all three subjects, right? Eureka, Wit and Wisdom, and PhD. And then within, within the Wit and Wisdom world, we have geodes. Um, and we have knowledge on the go, which are lessons. Then we have vocabulary on the go, as, as um, Lori pointed out, for that sort of preview of language development in English and Spanish. We have geodes on the go, which are ebooks, right, of, mm-hmm. of the text that align with this particular module. Right now, everybody's in module four at this point in, in the year. 
Yeah. And um, can I, can I jump in? I I yeah. wish that I, I'm gonna I said it on episode nine with Lorraine and Emily, and I'll say it again right. <laughs> I wish that this podcast was not just audio because if I could hold up a geo to book, show a geode. <laughs> To show yeah. it, like if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing us talk about geodes and you've never seen it, please, please pause, go to greatminds.org, look up knowledge on the go and click on either K1 or 2 and find yourself a geodes book and then read it because it is so special. And it, it I mean, every time I read a geodes, I get goosebumps. So <laughs> just to like plug that. I, I feel like a lot of know, knowledge in there. A lot of knowledge. Oh yeah. A yeah, lot of knowledge in there. So like, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I might reach well, him to Elliot and he won't even know what's going on, but <laughs> yeah, so, and he'll start to ask you really good questions about like rectum, rectums and anus. <laughs> yeah. One year yeah. old. The other resource, both in math and in wisdom, you know, what math fluency is obviously really important and, and um, fluency in reading is critical. And so we, we believe in fluency practice in wisdom K-8. Um, it's, it's really critical. I could so not love some, you guys more for that. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And so um, there are some resources up also, a knowledge on the go about fluency work at home. Because, you know, everyone's talking a lot about like parents aren't teachers and Mm -hmm. parents can't be teachers. And we all know, you know, the realities of parents working from home. We know the realities of, you know, parents who are out there on the front lines who are not working from home and can't, you know, and aren't. And and also we know the realities that, you know, parents are not trained and, you know, to be teachers unless you're the three of us, for example, our poor kids. <laughs> My son always jokes about like, he's like, I have two English teachers. As parents. <laughs> it's awful. He's a, he's a freshman in high school. Um, so that question of like parents as teachers, like the fluency supports are to help them understand, like, here is what your child is doing right now. Like, and it's not that you have to be their, you know, their teacher, but you can just listen right to their fluency work, which is what happens anyway. And when wisdom, it comes home as homework. Um, so it's just some tips for, for parents, um, as their kids are engaging in that fluency work, um, K-8, so that they have an idea about why that's so important and, and what they can do. Um, because I, I do think that's a huge part of this moment too, right? Parents, you know, trying to work out what to do with knowledge on the go, um, (laughs) or whatever other resource is, is in front of them. One of the things that, um, you know, we, we want to be helpful is it is a very, um, it is not a synchronous experience. Like, you know, there's not like a teacher connecting with your child, as I said before, but it is something that your child can, can do independently for the most part, you know, in K1 and 2, obviously there's a lot of caveats on that, but they can watch right, the lesson and listen and, and ask the questions and say it out loud and whisper it and, and write down answers. Um, so it is a, co- it is a, you know, a, an instructional experience. Um, and so when we think about parents who are trying to make this work, you know, that was something else that we considered that it's, it's something that they, they can let their kid do, right. They can just <laughs> engage, you know, with Miss Lorraine for a little while. <laughs> um, so we're hoping that that, that is a support for, for parents. And I do think the other reason that knowledge travels well, as Jared Miracle said, is, you know, like I said, I, I know parents can't be teachers, but parents are kids' earliest teachers and parents are teachers. I mean, you know, like when you think about your, you know, my grandmother taught me everything I know about cooking. Like she, she was my cooking teacher, right. For my whole life. And, um, 
you're, there are things that you're teaching your kids all the time. And so having knowledge, rich topics, you can just talk about them. And in many ways you're, you're being a teacher. So if you're, if a parent just downloads our free parent tip sheets, there's like five questions, you know, on like every rich topic that their child is engaging in. So can use those parent tip sheets and just when you're having dinner or when you're cooking dinner or when you're flying in from your job and de, you know, sanitizing everything, like you can just ask questions about the topics. And in that way, you are being a teacher, right? Not in the same way that someone who's, you know, trained and focused on education at all hours of the day and night, but you are being a teacher. Um, and so we also want parents to hear that message. Like, don't beat yourself up. Ask some really good questions about some really rich topics um, find out what topics your kids love, have mm-hmm. them, you know, read more on that, have them write more on that, you know, download podcasts on that. Mm-hmm. Just like you can, you know, really helping parents think about like the way we build knowledge is by reading deeply on a topic. And so if, if you can, if your kids can do that, that's a real, real win. Yeah. Lori and I talked about that in a couple of podcasts back when this first mm-hmm. happened and we were thinking, before knowledge on the go even started, you know, right. what do we do? Yeah. What do parents do? And that's what yeah, we that was the, the schools were closed one, right? Yeah. And like and, and knowledge <laughs> on the go just had just had come out and it, it, <laughs> I was so excited for it, but it wasn't um I think I had just had a, a a couple little bit experience with Presley. So nothing to the extent that we have now so, uh what yeah. six in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. And it just it's makes so nice. much sense for where parents can help. And it's a huge help for their reading. You know, it's, yeah. I, th- I think some people might think it's not enough, right? That they should be doing questions like they're going to see on some state test one day, but this is huge. <laughs> well, and I would love for it to be, you know, a good outcome to this crazy time for people to think about like the reason you go to school is to learn about topics and things and, and mm-hmm. build your knowledge. The reason you learn to read, it's not some like rant, like you learn to read to know. The reason you learn to write is to communicate and articulate what you know. Yeah. And so I think it's often shocking to parents when they learn that like, well, my student's not studying a novel in ELA or a, or a topic. They're doing worksheets right? On main idea for two weeks and then inference and then author's purpose. And one day they're reading about a boy and his dog. The next day they're reading about geysers. The next day they're reading about, you know, the Pony Express. Like, I think it's kind of surprising to a lot of adults and parents to, 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 to think like, oh, so they're not studying like a novel and, or a nonfiction or a topic, you know, they're not studying some content. Like something coherent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping that if, you know, if more parents are thinking about like, oh, okay, you know, what, what's a book that my child is into and how can I ask questions that, or tell them things I know about that time period in history or that topic, or that they, that something that might come out of this is for parents to really be looking at what their kids are doing and thinking about it more as ending in knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. Skills are a huge, important part of knowledge, but the skills have to happen embedded within the knowledge. And I don't know if maybe, you know, having the opportunity to look more at what's happening in kids learning will help parents be able to think about how important that is. Yeah, I think um, that's that's really important. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that, that, you know, it's not necessarily um, an either or, that Mm -hmm. it's really uh, a both and and it's, you know, just kind of sprinkled throughout um, the knowledge, but the knowledge is is paramount. 
and the knowledge is, is really the, the undergird. Um, could yeah. you share a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go back to the, the main idea example that I was using earlier that kids in Buddhism learn that skill. You know, they, they learn um, the skills of explicit writing instruction, right? Topic sentences and details and Oxford commas. And, you know, they learn both the, the, the grammar and, you know, the syntax mm-hmm. as well as like the, the craft of writing. So, you know, all of those skills are really important. What happens often, though, is they're completely divorced from a rich topic level study. They're kind of divorced from knowledge and they're treated, you know, as the thing, as the learning, as the curriculum. Um, and so what we believe very much in, in terms of how we approach the design of wit and wisdom, and of course this lives in knowledge on the go, is that you build those skills for, you know, all of the, the things that happen as a reader and you build those writing skills explicitly, but it happens through the deep study of knowledge that as you said, Laura, it's not an either or it's, it's their companions. Um, and I, I mentioned our content stages and our craft stages earlier and, our core practices, which are annotation and questioning and gathering evidence and summarizing. So through the content stages, the craft stages, which are questions, right? It's, it's a core practice of questioning and other core practices. We want people to think about like all of that, the end goal is knowing something, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the reason we call them practices is I think like, I know Melissa and I both love yoga. Like, you know, yoga is your <laughs> practice that you do for like enlightenment, health, you know, well-being, mindfulness, right? That's my practice. That's to get that. So similarly, the skills and the, the you know, the, the questioning and all of that is a practice towards getting to knowledge, right? The reason you do all that, you don't just find the main idea to find a main idea. You don't just <laughs> annotate to annotate. You're trying to right. build your knowledge about a topic. And so why don't we think about what's happening in a virtual space and what's happening in a brick and mortar space as all built coherently around knowledge. And you're not going to build it all, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's huge, you know, Marilyn Adams research I mentioned earlier on bootstrapping, like you build a base of some knowledge and that transfers then in, you know, builds out your schema. And then, you know, the more, you know, it's like that, uh, what was that great GI Joe thing in the, yeah, I'm aging myself, but like growing up with like GI yeah, Joe public service announcements, they say knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so skills are in there, but you know, it's like they have to be together in the battle. Like knowing has to be the both the it's like it's both the starting point like and that. the end. Yeah. And that like, reminds me of together that. in the battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's then that, that's the um, name of this podcast. We just named it. Knowing, <laughs> 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 uh, knowing, knowing on the go. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> so you have, you're going to have to rebrand. <laughs> get a little, see if we can get a little uh, GI Joe partnership. Yeah. <laughs> That, that uh, is making me think of the that star that used to come up. Oh my gosh! When I was watching Saturday morning cartoons, it was the. Mm-hmm. It, oh yeah. Did you say the more you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like swept across the sky. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The you know, and there we totally. go. Totally. Oh my gosh! Well, so <laughs> Rachel, we always ask our guests um, to leave our listeners with a piece of advice, mm-hmm. and so you are no exception because we know that since talking to you today that you have incredible 
incredible advice to give our listeners. Um, so is there one piece of advice, um, that you would like to share with our listeners? And I'm even going to maybe funnel it to, um, the role of knowledge building in this virtual space, because we are in this time right now, it just kind of makes sense. And that's what we've been talking about a whole lot today. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I could leave one piece of advice for this time, right, this time of virtual learning and in all kinds of forms that looks, you know, really painfully different, right, for for so many of our kids and families is um, decide where you can be a teacher and decide when you can be a teacher. And I think that's true for teachers, you know, like my husband, like the virtual teachers who are figuring this out. And it's true for parents. So, you know, just to think about like when and where you're teaching. Like I said, are you, you know, Bill, are, are you holding like, you know, really clear and high expectations, but for just like two things, right? In your virtual space as, as a teacher, are you um, having those interesting conversations with your child in, you know, even if you have 15 minutes with your kid because you're on the front lines and you're coming in and you're exhausted and you, you're just tucking them in. Like, can you ask three questions about what they experienced in Knowledge on the Go or in their virtual learning space? So I think my advice would be like, find those teachable moments, right? Because they're still there Um, in this really, you know, kind of rough and and crazy moment. Like there are teachable moments everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so how can we find them? Whether we're teachers on a screen doing virtual learning for the first time for parents dealing with a lot of, you know, expectations to be a teacher, just make a decision like this is where and how I'm going to be a teacher right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to knowledge because, you know, everyone has some particular point of knowledge that they can impart, right? You may not be a, you know, an astrophysicist or a literary critic or a visual artist or, you know, some of the things that we know we would send our kids to want to read and dig into deeper, but you can always ask a good question. Yeah. I, you know what, I feel like I want to keep talking for a moment. I know normally we end right there, but, (laughs) um, so I, I'm going to share something and, and Rachel, while I'm sharing, if you could like get your brain moving, um, around, I know you have a little, little one, you have a high schooler, but you also have a younger one. Yeah. Um, I have a fourth, a fourth grader and a ninth grader. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's Lucy, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to share Um, because I think it just would be so helpful for just like a tangible piece for, for folks listening. If you're a parent listening and you're not a teacher, like how we've managed this time working with kiddos who are learning in a virtual space. Mm -hmm. Um, and Melissa, I'm I'm not excluding you. I'm assuming that Elliot at one is not, um, (laughs) We're learning our colors right now. So we're You're doing building, we're building a lot of knowledge right now. That that incredible one-year-old evolving brain. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking it might be helpful for, for us to share. Like, um, so I when all this started happening, I I kept thinking, okay, I'm gonna do a schedule. And that's what you know Presley's school district sent home with an example, like nine to nine thirty. Um, you know, one subject, 9.30 to 9.45, break and snack, 9.45 to 10.15, another subject, 10.15 to 11, something else, 11 to 12 lunch. So for three full days, I ran this, tried to run the schedule. I won't even say that I ran it. I tried. (laughs) Because, you know, just for those listeners, I'm working full-time too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, While I'm trying to help 
help my child, you know, learn and um, still be engaged in school and, and learning. And finally, I gave up um, midway through day three. We all had a midday breakdown. And <laughs> <laughs> I decided that doesn't work for us. We're not doing it. And in the spirit that anything can be done, nothing is impossible. We decided on a must-do, may-do. And she mm-hmm. had three things on her must-do. And two of them are knowledge on the go. And one of them, um, actually, you know what? She has three things, but one is kind of like a, has two, two subcategories. So she has knowledge on the go and she does Eureka and wit and wisdom and geodes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and she reads geodes to me, which makes her feel connected. So we can do that anytime. And then the third, I'm sorry, the second is, um, there's a, a little art class that a fabulous, fabulous teacher in Maryland, um, Rebecca Gyro. I, I don't know if you listen, I'm going to send this podcast to you. Your art classes have got us through. Um, it's a half hour oh, art class and it's on Facebook live and, and we, we tune in with, um, we call her Miss Rebecca and she, she does a little art stuff every day that builds to this, you know, um, picture at the end of the week. So there's a little theme. And then the, the third thing that she does is her soccer club does uh, a soccer workout every day. And it's a half hour and it's usually at noon, um, but she does that every day. And so by, by one or two o'clock, we're, we're, quote, done with the day. And she's on to her may do's and I don't, she constructs those. I don't care what she does on the may do's. How about it? That's um, great. Yeah, that's, she has choice. Yeah, lots of choice, and that that's kept us sane. So I was wondering if you had any tips, you know, as a mom that that yeah. for our listeners that would just help um, bring sanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like everything in our in our world here. I I really would say go go to the text and go to the topics. So basically, like what I've done with Lucy is understand what she's doing. So, so her school's doing this amazing virtual learning and, you know, she's able to have access. And so I know that they're reading mixed up files of Mrs. Baisley Frankweller, one of my absolute favorite, <laughs> favorite books ever, ever. Yes. I know that they're studying um, like government structure, right? Like what's the Senate, you know, what's the branch, what are the branches of government? You know, what are checks and balances? And I know they're studying the human skeleton, right? So I know like three things that they are working on right now. So I just like figured that out from, you know, their daily, like the daily and like asking, like, what are you reading right now? And, you know, what are you doing in sources? What are you doing in science? I don't really do a whole lot with math. I, I'll leave that to my Eureka <laughs> colleagues. And so I, I know that now. And so I'll just ask some questions, right? Back to my like piece of advice. Like, you know, um, are you writing about Claudia? Like, what do you think of Claudia? Is she glamorous or is she is an all act? Like, and I happen to know the book. Like, I know not everybody knows the book, but you just say like, what, is, what chapter did you read today? And, you know, what's happening in that story? Um, what do you think, you know, or can, and, and so, so asking the question and also if you can understand what the topics are or the text or what are the things, right, that they're studying, can you as a parent connect it to what you know they know? Because so here's a co- like cognitive science thing for, for folks who didn't get the benefit of cognitive science classes in grad school. It's, you know, we build, as I said earlier, knowledge builds on knowledge, right? Like the rich get richer. You keep building the more you know, right? Back to the theme of our podcast. So I know things that Lucy knows about the Met, which is where the characters in the mixed up files of Mrs. Baisley Frankel are run away to um, because we, we relocated from New York City a couple of years ago, but we used to go to the Met. I know a lot of things that Lucy knows about the Met. 
So I can just ask about that because then it's building her schema around her knowledge of that text. I know what she knows about, you know, the government. We talk a lot about politics in my family. I'm a little like obsessed with it. So I know there are things she knows about, you know, our senator and, and you know, the current administration. So I just ask about some of those things that I know she knows. So if as a parent, you can just identify like, what are three things your kid is doing? Ask a question every day about each of those things. It doesn't have to be like, you know, a super rich, deep question. And then can you connect what they're learning to something you know they already know? And you know that because you're living the experience of being their mom or dad or, you know, caregiver. And that gets at a lot of things, right? It gets at like you're building some knowledge about a topic. You're engaging them. You know, there's lots of, there's conversation, which is critical. And then you're building out their schema. If you can say like, oh my God, do you remember that time you went to the Met? And you got super freaked out that the, you had to like finish your IC really fast because you can't bring an IC in the net. Like <laughs> Claudia goes in there with all this food and stuff, you know, like, so can you build schema? Can you connect something you know they know? And those are, you know, anybody can do that, right? You don't have to be super teacher. You certainly, you know, like me, are not super mom. <laughs> You're just <laughs> asking questions about what you know they know and what you know they're studying. <laughs> and if you're using knowledge on the go, you just, you can see what they're studying. So <laughs> as a parent, you can just go on and, you know, like, okay, this is my sixth grader is reading this story about Arctic exploration. I don't know anything about Arctic exploration. What can you tell me, sixth grader? Who is the Shackleton guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read the back cover of the book. I mean, yeah. yeah. Or you could listen to, since you pointed out all of our virtual teachers are reading aloud, you could listen to two and a half seconds of the read aloud and just be like, Hey, you know, I heard Mr. Uh, Kair Butts reading this book about the Negro Baseball League. I don't know anything about that. Like, when did it happen? Why did they start their own league? Who who were these baseball players? And then let your child really like tell you, teach you. Let them be your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that is great advice and. I'm just so thankful for you being on our podcast today, but also just to be partners with you from Baltimore City and just the support that you guys give to our teachers even before uh, we were teaching from home, um, but also now to have this resource and obviously to our thousands of students who have this as well. We really thank you. Yeah, well, we we thank you because we we know that, you know, our, our teachers and our kids are it. They're the reason. And I know you know because Liz Nolas was on this podcast at one point <laughs> and talked about she's our she's our director of implementation success. She talked about our belief in trusted colleague. You know that we 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 meet you where you are. We know, and I think you know that is something else that lived in knowledge on the go. That we know that we we trust our colleagues. We want them to have some tools, um, but that our our approach is always sort of centered on that. That you know we have this partnership. We have this relationship. Um, that's a huge part of how we operate all the time. So. We love being in Baltimore too, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, and we know that that uh, I'm just so grateful that you're here. I, I agree. Teachers make the best tools um, and, and are able yeah. to adapt in every situation. So the yeah. fact um, you know, you're providing them with such high quality stuff in this time is amazing. And I saw, this is totally a random story, but I saw on Facebook a teacher making a doc cam out of soup cans. And it just, it wow. made, like, and her eye, you know, her phone. Adaptations, adaptations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
And that's the thing, you know, the team, um, the team, you know, as you said, they're, they're teachers, they're teachers across the country. They're those incredible project managers. I mentioned Sarah Hinchy, Sarah Turnage, Emily McKean, if you're listening, like the, the, the team executes this vision, like with such precision and such care, because it's like the end, at the end of the day, they know that the kids out in Baltimore are watching this. They know that the teachers who are making their own document cameras with soup cans <laughs> are out there. And so, you know, they're, they're very inspired to, to get up each day and do this. Um, and hopefully when we're all back in classrooms, as you said, Melissa, there are, there are things we'll learn, right? Always got to be a learner. Absolutely. Uh, that was so good. We, we just so appreciate you and thank you so much. And um, we, you know, we look forward to seeing everything that is forthcoming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy talking with both of you. I, I feel very honored that I had the chance to, to connect with you and, and to reflect on this moment where we are in time. Yeah, you're locked in. This is this is going to go for, down in history. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to go back and listen, right? You know, yeah. when when the world changes again and mm-hmm. reflect on kind of where where we are right now, what like that next, us. next week or <laughs> right? Who right. knows? It changes, it changes quickly. Yeah, <laughs> so much, and we will um, we will definitely check back in at some point soon. Like, yeah, thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Melissa and Laura. You guys take care. Thank you. And to Presley, keep asking asking those great questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.